while we were singing him, I started looking in the back of the hymnal because sometimes, um, sometimes you just get that feeling that maybe, maybe, maybe there's a song to kind of express it. And, and I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm a preacher and I'm constantly looking for the message in things. Um, I don't even know how to play or sing this. I have no idea. So I'm just going to read the words to you, okay? This is hymn number 390. Just listen to the words. Spirit of God, descend upon my heart. Wean it from the earth through all its pulses move. Stoop to my weakness, mighty as thou art. And make me love thee as I ought to love. Hast thou not bid us love thee, God and King? All, all thine own soul, heart, and strength and mind. I see thy cross. There teach my heart to clean. Let me seek thee, and oh, let me find. Teach me to feel that thou art always nigh. Teach me the struggles of the soul to bear. To check the rising doubt, the rebel sigh. Teach me the patience of unanswered prayer. Teach me to love thee as thine angels love. One holy passion filling all my frame. The baptism of the heaven-descended dove. My heart an altar and thy love a flame. Sometimes I think we get so caught up in the stuff that we miss the reason for everything that we are supposed to be doing. And it's easy to do that with spiritual disciplines. It's easy to get caught up in the rigor, in the performance. And the disciplines can become, well, they can become an end instead of a means. So as we approach the discipline of submission, I want us to remember that it's not about just doing what God tells you to do. Though that is important. I think about my kids. If I tell one of them to go clean their room, pick up these clothes, here, go take this over to here, or, or go give this to mama, I get one of two responses, depending on their mood. I either get, yes, sir, and they go off and do it. Or I get, ugh. You don't feel that way? Ugh. <laughs> I don't want to do this. The discipline of submission isn't just about doing what God tells you to do. It's about doing that without the... That's why I love when he talks about the rebel side. Because that's what that is, isn't it? It's the, I really don't want to do this, but you're going to make me do it. And sometimes we can do that with God. I really don't feel like praying. I really don't feel like reading. I really feel like napping. I really don't feel like fasting. That that cake on the counter sure looks good. By the way, don't ever fast the day after someone makes a cake for you, okay? It's not the day to fast. Give it a couple days. Let the cake disappear. Then, in all seriousness, we we get to the point where doing these things is just habit or ritual, or just something we feel like we have to do, an obligation. And the discipline of submission teaches us once again, this isn't for us to earn God's favor. God has already given his favor. These disciplines are a means by which 
we bring ourselves into submission to God. And so the discipline of submission is more about how we do and why we do than just about what we do. We're going to look at a couple of passages, passages of Scripture. And as you might guess, many of them revolve around Jesus. Matthew 26, Jesus leaves the upper room with his disciples and he takes them on a little walk. Not too far from where they were, there was this uh, garden called Gethsemane. It was on the side of the Mount of Olives. And Gethsemane would have been quite a beautiful garden at this time of year. There would have been olive trees uh, growing. There would have been quite an abundance of flowers and things. This is an area of Israel that's not desert. It, it's, it's, it's in a good season for things to grow. And so the Garden of Gethsemane must have been an, a peaceful place on the outside. Oh, but the torment in Christ's heart was thick. One, one gospel writer tells us that he was sweating drops of blood in this serene setting. Matthew 26, Matthew tells us that he goes to Gethsemane and he tells his disciples, y'all sit over here and I'm going to go over there and pray. And he brings James and John and Peter. They come a little bit further. Verse 37 tells us he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Now when someone tells you, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death, they're going through some serious stuff. Going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Perhaps our first lesson of submission is to say, not as I will, but as you will. You know, there are some times when God's will seems to line up perfectly with what we think we ought to do. There are times when, when we know what God wants and we want the same thing too. And so it's easy for us to follow His will because, because we're in agreement, right? I know when I get behind this pulpit, someone asked me this week, yesterday in fact, what do you look forward to most in life? I said getting in the pulpit on Sunday morning, to be completely honest. To be able to stand or sit and preach God's word. Carrie will tell you, when I start telling her about what passages of scripture are like, my face changes. Like when I start describing the word or when I start talking about what I'm going to be preaching on from time to time, I, uh, she'll ask or, or, or I'll ask for her opinion on something and I start talking about it. She says my face lights up. The opportunity to preach the word of God is just incredible to me. And so when God said, preach, my first thought was, I'm not a preacher. But as soon as I started, I realized I am a preacher, and I live for this kind of stuff. It's easy to submit when God tells you something like that. When God says, hey, go, go in the nursery and take care of these little ones. And that mama instinct starts to come out, or that daddy instinct starts to come out, and you're like, yeah. This, this is it right here. I love this stuff kind of thing. Or maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's when, when someone says, we, we need to get some food together. And you jump at the chance. You're like, yes, this is it. This is, this is, this is what I was born for. I was born to cook. Some of y'all are born to cook. I'm just going to let you know that. 
uh, most, uh, pretty much, most of you are women that are born to cook. <laughs> men, men, we need a little bit of extra help sometimes. But it's easy to submit to God when it's something that just falls right in our wheelhouse. What if it's something that's not? What if, what if God's will is for you to do something that you don't really want to do, that you find really hard, that you struggle with? What if God's will is something that, man, that's, I don't know how I can even do that. What if God's will is for you not to do what you think is good? I think of David. He wants to build God a house. He says, there's, there's, this shouldn't happen. The, 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 the ark of the covenant is in a tent. And I'm living in this fabulous palace. This ain't right. And I know David's already got the schematics in his head. He's already figured out everything he wants to do. By the time, by the time that he is telling Nathan the prophet, this is what I want to do for God, I guarantee you, this guy had blueprints already drawn up. Like he was ready to go. He had probably already started sending out dispatches saying, hey, we're going to be building a temple to God. He about, was about ready to go. And so he, he bounces the idea off David and, or off Nathan. And Nathan even says, do what's in your heart. God is with you. And then that night, God tells Nathan, not quite. Now, was David doing something wrong? Why does God stop him? Because it's not his will. No, no, no. Did you build me a house? No, no. I'm going to build you a house. Can we submit when God says no? that thing we really want? Can we submit when God says, you're going to have to hold your horses? God ever told you to hold your horses? He's told me. I've told you all the story of applying to seminary. Finally got the answer back, and it was hold your horses. There was such a peace about it because I knew it was his will. And that's not to say that I'm really great at following God. I'm not. I really need help. We all do. But can we submit when God says no? Can we submit when God says, hold on, this is a good thing you want to do, but it's not my will. Can we submit when God says no, and then a little bit later says now's the time, go now. Can we submit when God says do this, do this, do this, and after a certain amount of time, God says, okay, stop doing this. Do we really want God's will or just what we think is best? I've been reading a lot of St. Francis de Sales uh, this last week or so. Uh, one of the things he says is, we are all ready to accept what is good, but true love alone can accept evil, thankfully, out of reverence to the hand which inflicts it. What if God's will is hard, cold, painful? Can we accept that? Can we submit ourselves when the will of God is suffering, grief? Can we submit to God's will? Completely indifferent as to exactly what God wants us to go through. As long as we know what he wants, are we willing to submit? No matter what that means for us. Jesus is saying, Father, if it's possible, if there's any other way, please let this cup pass from me. Do not make me go through this. Nevertheless, not as I will. You know, I want the cup to pass, but I submit to your will. What strikes me also about the submission is that it wasn't one-off. This was his pattern of life. Submitting to the will of God, well, from eternity past, let's just be honest, but 
throughout the scriptures, we see him submitting to God's will. We see him following the Spirit. Uh, back in John chapter 10, verse 18, verse 17. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Listen to this. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. What we have here is a will of Christ that is not only willing to say, you know what, I really want this, but you want something else, and so I'm going to do what you want. No, no, no. This is a Christ who says, I am conforming my will to match God's will. Think about it. You sail on a boat, and you're in the open seas. Are you rowing? You're wasting your energy. That wind is going to take you where you're going. You love fighting it. You're swimming and you get a little bit too far from the shore and you get caught in a rip current. You can't swim against it, can you? Basically, you've got to try to swim alongside of it to get out of it. That's your only hope. We do not... This isn't a matter of we have our will and we have God's will and so we have to just pick God's will. This is a matter of us taking our will and subjecting it so much to God's will that our will changes shape to match God's will. Think about water. It comes out of the faucet, you put it into a cup, it takes the shape of the cup. Our will needs to take the shape of God's will. Our will needs to be so subjected to God that when He wills it, our will aligns to Him. even if it's bad. When we use the word evil, we typically mean something that's wicked or sinister. But evil can also just mean something that's not pleasant. And when Francis de Sales is talking about uh, um, being willing to accept evil, thankfully, he means the things that don't seem good but come from God anyway. He goes on to say, what matters it? Whether God's will come before me in tribulation or consolation, if in both alike I seek not, save the exceeding beauty and sweetness of that will. As long as I am seeking God's will, it should matter not how that will come. In fact, even when we mess up and God punishes us, we recognize that even the punishment for our sins and our faults is God's will. And so even as we are receiving the blows of discipline, we can thank God that he loves us enough to, to inflict us in order to teach us and shape us. That's a whole different kind of submission from, uh, isn't it? I said this wasn't a one-off thing for Jesus. It was a lifetime. But even in the garden, it wasn't a one-off thing. Because as soon as he prays that first time, he goes back, he finds the disciples sleeping. And he says to Peter, so you could not watch for me for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And boy, there is a sermon in that verse. Or two or three. Verse 42, he continues. Again, for the second time, he went away, he went away and prayed. Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping. Their eyes were heavy. 
Leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Three times. And I bet more than just three times. Pray, not my will, but yours be done. Father, your will be done. Father, your will be done. And then he comes back and says, all right, time to get up. Here comes my betrayer. That's not paraphrased. Are we willing not only to submit, but to continue in submission? Isaiah looks forward to the Messiah in chapter 50, verses 5 through 10. He says, the Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. The discipline of submission not only teaches us to accept God's will no matter what it is and no matter what it might mean for us. But the discipline of submission also teaches us not to turn back off of that will, to continue persevering until the will is done. Sometimes we think, well, I did it. What more do you want from me? Sometimes we think, well, I did what you asked me to. Now I'm done. I have fulfilled my obligation. All the dishes in the sink are clean. So I'm done with dishes. Forget the ones on the counter and on the dinner table and and in various rooms around the house. Just just pay no attention to those. (laughs) We take the bare minimum. Again, my kids. I asked James the other day to clean his room. He said, I'm done. I went up there. I started getting on the ground to look under beds and dressers. He said, what are you doing? (laughs) Guess where the stuff went. Not all of it. He did pick up most of it, but some stuff just got kind of got scooted underneath. We all did that. We all do that kind of thing even today. You can point to times in your life where you don't feel like doing it, and so you just do the bare minimum to get it done. But the discipline of submission teaches us we don't just do bare minimum. We fulfill the will all the way. We don't turn back. Remember what Jesus said about turning back? No man who puts his hand to the plow and turns back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. You know why? Well, it's the same reason you don't look back in a race. If you're going to plow right, you've got to be looking forward. If you're going to do this the right way, you've got to keep your eyes on moving forward toward the target. In this case, the likeness of God manifested in you. Being a faithful bearer of God's image, and that means submission to him every step of the way. When does Peter sink into the water? He's walking on top of water with Jesus. When does he go down? When he looks at everything else. When he takes his eyes off Jesus, that's when he begins to sink. So as the writer of Romans says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. I think about Job. First chapter of Job, Satan begins to inflict him. And God has told him, you can anything but him. You can't touch him. But whatever you want to do with everything else is fine. And so one comes and says that, that, that all this has been destroyed, all this has been taken, all this has been uh, 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 raided by, by thieves. And, and I'm the only one left to tell you. And finally one comes and says, All your kids were partying in somebody's house. The house fell down, killed them all. I'm the only one that's escaped to tell you. And when he hears about this, he tears his clothes and he says, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gave 
and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the narrator tells us in all this, Job did not sin or charge God in wrong. He submitted, being willing to submit, whether it's comforting or tragic, whether it's blessing or cursing. I think this was brought to perfection in the life of Christ, especially in his last words on the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That is the essence of submission. One more quote from Francis de Sales. Yea, Lord, thy will be done here on earth where no joy is unmixed, no rose without its storm, no day without night, no spring without winter. On earth where comforts are few and toils abound, but here, as in heaven, thy will be done by us. Not merely by active obedience to thy commandments, thy counsels, and thine inspirations, but also by patient endurance of whatever sufferings or afflictions thou mayest send to us, so that thy will ever work in us, for us, and by us, it seemeth best to thee. Whatever God wants to do, whatever the cost, whether he calls us to something that is easy or hard, enjoyable or regretful, whether he calls us to follow him on top of the mountain or in the valley of the shadow of death, into your hands we commit our spirit. That's the way of submission. And when you're doing it like that, all these disciplines, there might be times where they seem fruitless, where the joy is gone, where you enter what John of the Cross called the dark night of the soul, where it's all, there's just nothing there. There's no feeling. You feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling and bouncing down. You feel like God isn't hearing you. You feel like Psalm 44, that God has despised and rejected us. But when you're in complete submission to Him, find that though there may be darkness night, the light is gone. Put it the way Isaiah does. Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. That's the way practice the discipline. Pray with me. Father, it's so easy for us to insert our will claim we're following you and really we're just trying to do what's comfortable or what we want. Sometimes we do hard things to ourselves because we picture that it's going to make us more holy. Sometimes we take the easy road because we just don't want to deal with the trouble. Sometimes we're trying earnestly to follow you but we're we're not listening to you very well. Father, in short, we mess up a lot. Lord, would you help us get over ourselves? Would you help us forget about how much it's going to hurt? Or how much glory or fame or honor or prestige or adoration we might get? Would you help us just fall in love with you? Because in the end, that's what submission boils down to. It's loving you enough to completely trust you. Father, there are times where there will be darkness and it won't feel very good. 
to submit to you. There are times when it will be hard and it will require strength that we don't have. Would you give us the strength to follow you? Would you empower us through your Holy Spirit? Would you help us? Father, there may be times where we feel like we are basking in the sun and things are going great. Would you would you keep us humble and remind us that it's your strength that's carrying us even in those good times? Would you help us to continue in submission? And it looks like we're doing pretty good on our own. Remind us that it's always you, Father. Lord, just be our Lord and help us serve you faithfully. Thank you that we can trust you no matter what. Help us live in that trust until the day you call us home. You finish your good work and we'll spend eternity giving you the glory that you deserve. Help us as we go. In Christ's name, amen.